guys, this is Nick. In the name of the FC Schalke Nofia team, I want to congratulate you on your 100th episode. Thanks for supporting us in the U.S., and hopefully there will be many more episodes of your podcast in the future. Glück auf! Blau und weiß sein Leben lang. Hallo meine Leute, willkommen zum Das Einziger Schalke Podcast auf Englisch. That's right folks, officially the world's only English Schalke Podcast worldwide. This is episode 106 of Schalke America. I'm your host Richard Carmen. Joining me on the show as always is co-host Jack Mangan. Jack, how are we doing man? That was a clean intro. No, it took, it took a while. It took a while. Yeah, I got the coronavirus rust off of me. Yeah, yeah. How was your Thanksgiving holiday, man? It was good. It was good overall. Yeah, uh, got to relax. Uh, got to spend time at home just with my wife and my son, and that uh, no, was good. Watched a lot of soccer. Uh, so can't complain. How about you? What are the holidays for? That's you right. Bo boxing Day is coming up. Looking forward to that as usual. That's right. I haven't How's even yours? checked the schedule. Do we have Boxing Day games this year? Maybe I'm not. sure. I don't know. I mean, that's a good question. How was your my holiday? holiday? Was, my holiday was good. It was weird. Um, as as you know, I've been up in uh, Wisconsin with my brother, so it was a little bit of a like slightly more isolated, disjointed holiday. But I sure I'm sure many are feeling that way. Um, with maybe a lot of people not traveling as much for for COVID reasons and that sort of thing. So yeah, um, yeah. it was nice. It was nice, and uh, definitely uh, definitely a year that makes you think on you know what it is that you appreciate in your life and and be thankful for more of it. So absolutely, absolutely couldn't say it better. Um. We're going to go ahead and uh, we, this is a lot to talk about this week. Uh, we we need to bring some help on here because obviously there's a lot to talk about with Shaka, but there's also a lot to talk about with the game. And so we're going to bring on uh, bring on a guest here. Let me pop him in here. Uh, his name is Daniel McDermott. Uh, he is uh, a, tact, a, Glad, a Gladbach tactics blogger, excuse me. Uh, it's called The Fallen Analysis. Make sure you check it out. Welcome to the show, Daniel McDermott. How are you doing, man? Doing well. How are you guys doing? Thanks for bringing me on. Doing well, man. Hey, you know, uh, we want to apologize. It's because you're a Gladbach fan that the cameras are not working. So our services, it's just, I don't know to tell you, man. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> there is there is one other thing I wanted to mention while I have the opportunity, which is that before me, there are, there are two gentlemen, one of which I have been doing a podcast with for three years now, as of about a couple days ago, three-year anniversary of when I joined, right? Yep. I have met Daniel McDermott. I have not met Richard Carmen still to this day. <laughs> right, whose fault is that? Time. Probably my fault. Both of our faults. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I just, I just thought that was funny because, yeah, it, Daniel and I had the occasion to meet right before COVID kind of started getting crazy. I think it was back in February. But yeah, oh, Richard man. and I, three years in, still. Uh, I, I can one up you. My co-host on my other podcast, we've been known each other for ten years. We've been doing podcasts for five years. I've never met him. Oh, so it's definitely your fault then. This it is, is always my fault. I am the, I am the yeah. culprit here. So. The common denominator is Richard for sure. It is no doubt about it. Hey, we got uh, some. Some guys in the chat room here. Paul Forrester, how you doing, buddy? Uh, we'll get to your question there. Thank you for that question. Uh, Dylan, Bill, before we get to this, uh, before we get to the nitty-gritty of everything, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, tell us about the Tactics blog and uh, what, what, what's that all about. Tell us, tell us a little bit more about Gladbach here. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so my Tactics blog, which is a little bit on a hiatus right now um, just because of schoolwork and things like that, but hopefully I'll be having some pieces out um, over the winter break. Um, but yeah, it's kind of inspired by, ironically, Renee Marich's uh, tactics blog. Um, of course, then he ended up joining the staff at uh, Gladbach, which I was super uh, excited to see. Um, and, and yeah, just kind of giving a little bit of an insight um, into the the team and the tactics of Gladbach uh, in English, kind of building 
the the fan base and supporter base for Gladback, which, you know, despite its history and especially in the last few years, them doing really well, they're still kind of, at least for American support, kind of outside the um, definitely Munich and Hertha Berlin and uh, Dortmund um, and such. Um, so, yeah, so yeah, I've, I've followed Gladback since 2009, 2010. Nice. Uh, Casey Keller um, being goalkeeper there is kind of what drew me. Um, and yeah, I've been a diehard fan ever since. Oh, that's awesome. So uh, your team has been, uh, it's been, it's been one of the obviously powerhouses of, of German football for a long time, but in particular the last couple of seasons and we'll, we'll even get about this season is that uh, you guys have had, you went, you got to an amazing start off last season, right? The first half of the season, you were, you were top of the top of the table. Uh, you ran into the juggernaut that was Schalke and then you destroyed our career, but that's <laughs> beside the point. Um, you guys have, you have a pretty good team. You got one of our old guys uh, in Bolo on your team, but you, you have a lot of talent. You have a very talented manager that, you know, we wanted for sure. Marco Rose. Uh, tell us about what he's done since he's joined you guys that uh, really is exciting, excited you and, you know, get, have you hopeful that maybe you guys can, you know, push not only the top three, but maybe even, even higher uh, with, with Gladbach. I know what he's going to say. He's going to say Brill and Bolo at the number 10 position. <laughs> you know, what, what everyone naturally, was totally naturally. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely used in Bolo in a very interesting way. I'm not sure. I'm not too familiar with how uh, he played for Schalke, um, aside from his injuries and, and kind of, I guess, famous um, streak of not really scoring much. But yeah, uh, the, the transition from, you know, letting go of Dieter Hecking and bringing Marco Rosa was really a bold decision from the get-go. Um, I mean, Hecking had his shortcomings, especially um, in his tactics and his style being very possession-based, boring, making, you know, let's pass 20 times between our center backs before we move the ball forward. Um, but, you know, he's, he's still got us in the Europa League um, in the, in contending for those top spots. Uh, but yeah, Marco Rosa was able to come in and completely revamp a team that, again, wasn't really struggling or anything like that, but get them to believe in his system of, you know, what we kind of call Red Bull um, football, high pressing, quick transitions, um, and kind of still do in a way that is different than you see in like Leipzig um, or even Salzburg, where, you know, it's not like, all right, get the ball, press, very direct. Um, there's a little bit of his own style there, um, adapting to the players that he has, you know, incorporating people like Mbolo and kind of that 10 position that's like a target man, but not leading the front line. Lars Snindel's also kind of played that position. Um, so that's, it's been a really unique uh, a style, I would say. Um, this season, and, and it's really been interesting, because last season, the logic success has been, you know, versatility. We can play, you know, diamond. You can play five, five in the back, three-man chain, um, adapting to each system. And an entire offseason, Rosa was saying, you know, this year we're going to be even more versatile. Uh, but they've only played one, one formation, one Four, system. Two, three, one. Yep, exactly. And every time the lineup comes comes out, Gladbach fans are like, oh, are we playing a back three, or we, oh, are we playing a diamond. No, we we've been consistent the entire season, which is pretty ironic, but um. Yeah, and, and going into this season, kind of been up and down. League performance probably been hindered a little bit by our success in the in the Champions League, which uh, we were just recovering off of today. I mean, last minute, giving up goals to Inter, we could have easily secured ourselves in the knockout uh, stage of the Champions League for the first time. Um, but yeah, I think just that kind of energy, willing to attack, 
press, quick transitions is really what Rosa's brought to the to the Gladback side. Um, and I think they're probably a few players keeping hold of like Turam, Zacharia, uh, and maybe one or two other investments away from probably maybe being a top four challenger year in and year out. So what's what's the sort of feeling amongst Gladbach supporters um, at the moment in terms of, uh, you know, I feel like you guys are at a, at a point where you have aspirations to consistently try to qualify for Champions League football now, even if you aren't quite at that Bayern or, or Dortmund level in terms of, um, you know, club status and notoriety at this point. Um, and But, you know, at the same time, despite being like seventh in the table, which is maybe a little bit lower than where you want to be, you are topping a group with Real Madrid, Shakhtar, and into Milan, which is fairly impressive. So, I mean, like, how are how are supporters viewing this? Are they are they still looking fairly positively, or, or are, there, are there some concerns about the Bundesliga performances? Um, I think they're definitely enjoying the Champions League success, and and you know, often a lot of times, anytime you play Gladbach, what's the first thing the commentator mentions is the historic European Championship uh, success they had in the seventies. Um, and so a lot of fans kind of identify with, you know, the clubs doing well in Europe again. But interestingly, I, I wrote a brief uh, piece um, for Get German Football News at the beginning of the season saying that Gladbach should actually focus on the Bundesliga because I didn't think that they really had the depth to compete on both fronts, especially with the congested uh, schedule, as we'll see going kind of towards the winter break. It's the, the, the fixtures come quick. Um, and of course, I was completely called an idiot um, for why they would want to try to lose Champions League games, which I didn't exactly advocate for, but rather, you know, making sure the best starting 11 was fresh. Pushing your the, words. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, making sure the, the best 11 is, is there for the Bundesliga, um, which they've done a decent job of, of balancing out the starting 11. Of course, COVID restrictions, keeping people out of the lineup is always unpredictable and, and tough. Um, but I think the mood is they're enjoying the Champions League uh, uh, success right now, hoping they get the knockout stages there as far as they can. And hopefully, you know, the Bundesliga results will come after they're out of that competition. Well, well nothing like, you know, Schalke on the fixture list uh, to potentially turn around your Bundesliga fortunes. <laughs> Maybe that'll be the start of a little run for you guys. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, it's it's funny because it's about time really for you guys having some success in Champions League. Uh, I know over the years that, that Gladbach has, uh, you know, qualified for it. I've always been, people ask me, oh, how are the Bundesliga clubs going to do? And I always, you know, pushing the flag for Gladbach. I'm like, this is a good team. You should watch out for them. And then they always seem to throw up an egg in, in Champions League. But this year, I'm glad, you know, this year they, they surprised a lot of people. I mean, obviously, they're topping the group at the moment, uh, playing very well in Europe, more so than they are in Germany. What do you attribute to the to the good play? Because like like Jack said, it's a very tough group. You got Inter Milan, who is going to be challenging for the Scudetto in Italy. Uh, Bayern's or not Bayern, excuse me. Uh, Real Madrid is going to be challenging for the title in La Liga. Shakhtar is you know the, one of the best Ukrainian teams around. Uh, so, what do you attribute the the success you guys are having in Europe uh, this season? I think definitely part of it is a lot of these players who are kind of on the cusp of breaking through, um, like Florian Neuhaus, Neuhaus uh, Turam, all these players that are kind of playing their first Champions League games. That's that's kind of where their career aspirations want to be. So I think for a lot of them, it's they're just getting up for more of the, those games more so than maybe the Bundesliga games. Um, definitely have been helped in terms of Real Madrid game, uh, Real Madrid having a shaky season in addition to just very – good tactically um, planned game by Rosa and his staff, um, which, I mean, to a certain extent, too, I think Rosa and 
Renee uh, Marich. Uh, I think they're just better adapt to kind of the Champions League, Europa League um, competitions. I mean, how they first got their start by taking the Salzburg's youth team all the way to the um, youth Champions League and winning it. Um, I think they're just built for being able to take an opponent that they're going to play once and adapting to them and finding their weaknesses um, and taking advantage of those. Um, so to a certain extent, I think it's just the coaching staff has a really good tactic, tactical plans for the the matches. And players are definitely getting up for it a little bit more, being back in the Champions League for the first time in some time. And a lot of these players, it's their chance to kind of showcase their skills to maybe some bigger Premier League teams or um, Bayern Munich or such um, to show what they have. So I think it's a little bit mixed those two. Um, Just, just so you know, we don't recognize the existence of Salzburg prior to Jesse <laughs> being the manager True as story. Americans here. So it was just That's a city fair. in a, a city in a movie, right? <laughs> so my question for you, then pivoting to Schalke for a second, would just be: I mean, <laughs> I mean what, what can you, what can you say at this point? But what, what is what is the general opinion in your mind from from an outsider's perspective of what's what's occurring at the club at the moment and the performances? Uh, I mean, it's just. The breaking point really was when they they got rid of uh, David Wagner. And, you know, for a team that's struggling and has a really poor start to the season, that's always the that's always kind of like the make or break moment where, you know, is your club leadership really going to take the reins, provide structure, get a new coach in, set out a clear path that they're going to support completely? Or are they not? And they're going to kind of fall at the heels of, the many obstacles that come along and let locker room atmosphere kind of take down the club. And so from the outside, I think you're seeing a little bit of that, especially within the week prior leading up to the Gladbach game, kind of the locker room turmoil and um, the higher up turmoil as well. Um, it's kind of showing that the foundation, you know, it, it it's cracking a little bit that you, whoever comes in um, in the long term, next season, even now, isn't going to be well supported that, you know, someone needs to be to, to take in a job like that. And and I, we agree about that, all that. Uh, with everything that has been going on this last week, at least for, you know, with, with uh, Shaka has just seemed to hit a boiling point. Um, we're going to talk about this later because this is very dark subject we need to talk about really deep it's a it's a common it's a, it's a therapy session for us but uh from an outsider perspective what do you make of the last week of all the news that shock has been in not only with shock but even you know the commentators making questions comments and this and that what what is the last seven days what have you seen from the outside um it's basically i think there's two camps there's one camp that thinks shaka is a staple of the bundesliga and out of that respect really really are hoping that they can pull it around and Maybe more so, that means they're rooting against Cologne and Bielefeld, so Schalke is a little bit closer to them in the table. And there's, I think there's another camp that see it and say, all right, time for you to go down to the Svai Bundesliga where you can dodge it out with Hamburg and really teach, I guess, your club a lesson about you know how to run a club. Um, you know, Just name isn't good enough to stay in the Bundesliga. Uh, you need to have that structure um, there and not some, some selfish – um, leadership up top, um, making all decisions. D Diplomatic from Daniel there to not tell us which camp, <laughs> which is which, which we won't we won't push you on anymore. But I flip flop. I'll say. <laughs> uh, very good. Well, I guess we should get into the game, huh? Uh, it was an interesting game, uh, no doubt about it. Um, 
Well, let's look at the lineups first real quick. Let me pull up the lineups here. Uh, starting with uh, your club, Daniel, um, and goal, obviously, Jan Sommer, a fantastic goalie. Uh, people always ask me, especially outsiders from the Bundesliga, ask me, oh, what do you think about Jan Sommer? And, I, and I always, I'm always singing his praises. He's, to me, he's one of the best goalkeepers in the league. Uh, but then he had a back four of uh, Lazaro, Ginter, Janschke, and Vent. Uh, then he had a midfield of Zakaria, Newhouse, Hermann, Mbolo, and Taram, led by uh, Plie up top. Uh, is this... When you saw this lineup, uh, is it a fairly standard lineup for you guys, or, or is there something that you, a person maybe or two, that you were hoping to see in this game? Um, yeah, uh, based off of the rotation that they were kind of going through, coming um, preparing for the Champions League game, um, it's kind of expected a fair amount of rotation. Again, they've been doing kind of going with a stronger level in the Champions League, rotating one or two aside for um, the the Bundesliga, um, probably more and more so against Schalke, maybe um, thinking that they wouldn't have you wouldn't have to have a strongest eleven to to get by them. Um, I think the biggest shocker was probably the first time that they rested uh, one of the center backs. So Nico Alvedi not starting was maybe a surprise, and Tony Jaka coming in. Um, which is a little bit of a surprise, but also especially for longtime Gladback fans, was a nice, um, nice to see Tony's whose nickname is Football God um, amongst uh, Gladback fans come in and, and and do a job and show that despite his age, despite him taking more of a backseat role in the club, he can still come in and put in a shift. How happy were you to see Zachariah in the lineup as well? That's his first time he's been in the lineup in a while, right? Back from injury, I think. Yep, uh, he had. Um, I forget the specifics of the injury, but he was out for probably since last April, March, maybe even a little bit longer. Wow. Um, I believe the Champions League game was the Bayer Labor accusing game. Um, prior, he came in the last five minutes. Um, so it was kind of a little bit of a, was they was he going to come in late against Schalke again and then start the Champions League game or vice versa? And so, yeah, he started um, against Schalke. And, and today against Inter, he, he uh, came off at, came on at halftime but didn't start um but yeah it was really nice putting a good shift uh you can tell he was a little bit rusty throughout the game um but he definitely displayed his biggest advantages his speed his stamina um his his ability to put in a good tackle which which i think he did well good team to come back and, t- and check your rust off as much well <laughs> right <laughs> jack uh looking at our, our lineup uh we came out with a uh i guess a four two three one or however you want to label it uh renov and goal as always uh back four of ludovic kabak nastasic tiao uh, midfield five of mascarel serdar skripsky ut and raman and then a led up top by matthew hop uh yeah, and, and that's really where we have to start isn't it uh yeah hash- hashtag the hoppening the hoppening um, yeah, got underway. Uh, maybe maybe not quite the start that we would have hoped for in terms of the result overall, and then also right. uh, lack of uh, goal involvement from from the young man. But yeah, we saw him. Um, he tweeted out something. I think it might have been the night before, whatever, where he was like, you know, uh, all, all glory to God, thanks for mom and dad. And I was like, is that? I mean, that seems like he's about to get some minutes tomorrow. Like, let's yeah. let's let's find out. And that's ultimately uh, what happened. Uh, I believe it was Ahmed Katuchu uh, was the positive. COVID uh, test in, in in the team, so he was unavailable. Gonzalo Paciencia as well, uh, picking up a knock, just had surgery back in Portugal. Uh, have we seen how long that's going to I've gonna heard a couple of reports. I heard one report that he's done for the year, and I heard another one is just a long-term. So I don't know. He, he, had a, uh, he had something on Instagram, I think, or Twitter, and it didn't look very good. So I'm not sure yet, but it doesn't – it could be bad. I mean, either way, it's 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 a huge hit because he's one of the guys that we brought in to help try to fix this issue and you know the lack of depth that we have at that position. So to lose him already um, is unfortunate, but that's why it's a good thing that we have 
the Kapitschmita um, and all of the talent that it produces because it allows us to rely on that maybe to a slightly greater extent than some clubs are are capable of. It uh, doesn't mean that these guys are going to come in and you know immediately be superstars, but you know there there is some talent there. So uh, that was the big thing for me. The other interesting thing was you know you you saw when the, when they announced the team sheet. Um, Malikcha, Nasasic, Kabak. So you're thinking, you know, maybe back three, but then you look at who else is on the on the field, and uh, yeah, it didn't present that way. So one of the talking points that you and I had um, after the Wolfsburg game, right, was we know that Manuel Obama has been trying to make this, this sort of like back back three happen, um, and but we didn't think it was a good idea to continue that if it was going to be Stambouli sliding in, right? So this time he actually does switch to a back four. And just plays Malik Chow at left back, which I think was was pretty surprising. Um, there's a lot of people that have been calling for Hamza Mendil to get get some uh, appearances. Yeah. So we didn't see Ochipka, and I thought maybe that was going to be the opportunity. Kind of strange that we didn't see that. Then I don't know if he's if he's hurt or, or what the deal is there. But you know, having your young center back swift over to left back, I think demonstrates a lot of faith in him, and um, maybe not so much in some other people. What were your thoughts overall? Yeah, it was a it was it was a, a nice move to see Tiao. I thought you know with Tiao and Astacic both out there, I thought maybe Tiao would be in the middle and and Astacic, who's played left back before, would have got slotted out there. But uh, they made that switch and, and Tiao I thought did pretty good for himself overall. Um, and then also seeing Ma- Matthew Hop out there and Skripsky in the lineup, which we we thought maybe would happen because he's he's ha- he's been one of the few bright spots for Schalke coming off the bench uh, in in this season so far. So. Uh, I wasn't too surprised about that. Uh, I was obviously happy to see, you know, Ut and Ramon up top. Um, we weren't sure what kind of lineup we would see with all the injuries. We know we had a lot of Kanap and Schmida on the bench as well. People that could have called up and well, another one gets into the game. Gianluca Schuler a little bit later. We'll talk about that. But um, yeah, I was, I was, I was pleasantly surprised. I wasn't sure how we were going to come out in this game. It was, uh, you never know. It's either we're going to come out. This is, we talked about this last week, how it could have been poetic justice where our whole losing streak started when the, the win against Gladbach and maybe we could wrap it up with a win against them. Um, or it would just continue the way things are always been. Uh, that's what we weren't sure of. Uh, but uh, what we saw early on in the game was uh, a good back and forth. I thought uh, in the 15th minute goal scoring would start. Um, Ozan Kabak, uh, his name's going to come up a lot in this game. Uh, I wasn't too happy with his performance, but he gives it away. Uh, Plie ends up giving it to Mbolo. Mbolo's shot gets saved by Runov. Unfortunately, the pass goes past everybody, goes right to um, to Newhouse. Newhouse scores from distance, one uh, nothing, just like that. Uh, Daniel, I mean, you guys were on the back foot really for the first fifteen minutes, and you guys finally get a counterattack, and you were deadly on it, and you you put it away. Um, how happy were you to see that, considering how the the, the pace of the game was going at that point? Uh, very relieved, um, and, and kind of, I guess the the optics of the goal of Neuhaus shooting the balls through the legs of maybe two or three Schalke players was a little bit symbolic of uh, Schalke's season, um, especially considering this game that they played extremely well in. Um, and yeah, we were looking very nervous. I mean, Bomb League, Schalke were being outplayed, outpossessed. Um, and But that's kind of maybe the success that Gladbach has had in the Champions League is they are very good on the counter. And just it was kind of ironic to let a team in the Bomber League to to let them really counterattack, um, and, and that opened up the game really well. But yeah, it was definitely a sigh of relief um, to finally get 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 the goal scoring starting, um, considering how well Schalke were playing. I mean, were you surprised by by that? I mean, when you were coming into this one, I would assume that you would think that you know you guys are naturally going to get the win, and you did. But you know, 15 minutes in this game before you score your first goal, I mean, what what was going through your head at that point watching this? 
Oh, um, that Schalke were gonna complete the loop of their uh, losing streak. Sorry, <laughs> their so losing close. streak started after Gladbach, and now it's coming full circle. I mean, leading up to the game, I I think I made a comment that it was gonna be the the two for which force was gonna be bigger: Schalke's inability to score and win, or Gladbach's inability to keep a clean sheet. Because they throughout the season they've been uh, comically letting up a goal in the last ten minutes uh, every single match. Um, and, and so when I saw that, I was like, wow, it looks like uh, <laughs> it's going to be the uh, our inability to keep, keep a clean sheet. Richard, there is one other thing I wanted to say about this goal. Um, you, you mentioned Kabak, but uh, one of the themes for me in this game, again, was actually Nastasic, um as well. And I talked about this, I think, last podcast where I feel like far too often – um, Sane does this sometimes too, but Nastasa just like isn't involved in, in, in the in the scoring plays. Um, and to some extent, I'm sure he could walk you through what he's doing and why, like from an academic pers- like standpoint, like that's the right position to be in or whatever. But far too often, these goals are going in. And if you look at what Nastasic is doing on these plays, it's virtually nothing. And when you're a center back and your job is to defend, at some point you need to actually like defend and be involved in these. And, and the only reason this counterattack starts with play is because Nasich is keeping him on everyone else. The line is farther up. He keeps him on. And then if you watch him, he just sort of like jogs back at the middle of the box. Doesn't try to put a body on somebody. Isn't clearly marking anybody. And ultimately this goal, this goal goes in with, with, with him just kind of like standing around and, and you look at his involvement over 10 seconds and there wasn't any. Um, and, and I think this happened potentially a couple of times in this game. So something else to keep an eye on. Um, I, I know as, especially as a defender, you have to be able to trust your teammates and so that you can kind of stay where you're supposed to be for the, the structural integrity of what's happening and rely on your teammates to do their job. But at, at some point, I think you need to step out of that and just try to make something happen to stop some of these goals from going in. Yeah. And I, I think we saw a theme, certainly with the two center backs in this game, how they didn't really perform to where we expect them to perform struggling or not. We, we, they have to perform a lot better. Um, Ludovic didn't help it, help his cause as well, but we'll get into it later. I mean, of the back four, Tiao was probably the best uh, by by a country mile, really. Uh, but yeah, it was this Nastasic and, and Kabak really Kabak overcommitting uh, on that play, forcing a turnover, and then uh, Nastasic, like you said, just staying around, not really doing anything, and allowing the. I mean, yeah, I get the rebound comes out really quick, and you don't have time to react, maybe, but could have done a lot more on that play leading up to it, and then. It seemed like to go through like a million guys' legs at that point to go in the goal too. It was like when I saw that go in, I'm like, oh, it's gonna be one of those games where every bounce is, not, is gonna go against us. Uh, it's very disheartening to see. Uh, Daniel, you talked about how you know at that point you were just you know hoping to get, catch us on the counter and stuff like that, and you guys really have the horses to to do that. Uh, you guys got pace up top with, I mean, pretty much all your attackers have pretty good pace compared to Shaka. Shaka cannot play that counter game. There's basically no pace up top. I mean, Ramon maybe the quickest guy. Uh, in that starting lineup, and he's really he's, he's okay. Uh, but you guys, you know, got Plie and Taram, and um, uh, and obviously Mbolo is a quick guy as well. And the new house eventually just comes up and cleans up shop at the end. But um, you guys looked as 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 good as Shaka was looking early on. You guys um, still seem kind of comfortable. And like whenever those opportunities came, you did counter very quickly, and that was worrying me. And then that goal goes in, and uh, like you said, it was relief for you. Uh, did you think at that point when you guys scored that you guys were gonna just go out and keep scoring more goals? Uh, yeah, because at that point, I figured Schalke were playing so well that they were probably in a comfortable position where they were going to keep attacking. And at that point, if Gladbach decided that's what they were going to play, counterattacking football, then that was going to play right into their hands. Um, and so that's why I immediately was thinking all we have to do is stay solid in the back, 
now lap in goals, play counterattacking, and, and I think we can see up this game. Um, and so then five minutes later, we conceded and Schalke scored. Then it was kind of the next goal was really going to – I mean, I know it's a cliche, but the next goal was really going to be deciding the outcome of the game. If if Schalke scored and were able to maybe hold on to the lead, Gladbach would have to come out of that counterattacking um, shape. Um, but if Gladbach scored, then they'd be right back into that mentality of, of just keeping on coming back and waiting for that opportunity to, to break forward. We always say whenever a team gets scored on, how do they react, uh, Jack? We were wondering, you know, what Shaka had played so well up to that point. Would they, you know, be angry and try to come back and get a goal, or would they sit back and just let the let, let uh, Gladbach take over from there? Uh, Shaka continued to press on, um, but you know, fortunately for us, as the as the we caused a turnover to lead to their goal, a turnover by Taram goes right to Mark Oot. Mark Oot was done spectacular by holding up the ball, perfectly timed chip lobby pass, whatever you want to call it right in the white for a streaking uh, Rahman, and he brilliantly volleys at top corner, makes it 1-1 in the 20th minute. At that point, I'm thinking, holy, wh- where was this come from? This is what we've been looking for for the longest time. Not only did we get a goal finally, but a pretty goal of that. Yeah, it, I mean, ultimately, the the service and the finish were both were both quite nice. Yeah, Mark Oot with a, with a pretty well-weighted chip over the back line. I think Ginter gets caught ball-watching a little bit, and, and Benito Raman's able to make this, like, 50-yard dash or whatever it is, kind of to get in off the back shoulder to sneak in there. Um, and I don't think Lazaro – I think Lazaro was maybe tracking him but wasn't able to get back in time either. Um, Shout-out to Mark Oot as well, who has been fantastic and, and, and pops up in a lot of different areas – of the pitch, which I think at times we've in the past have somewhat been critical of, um, but definitely seems like it's much more within a defined system at this time. And he, he's also just putting in putting in the work. I mean, this he season is, he's one of our better ones outside of Renov. I think, yeah, hundred hundred percent. So he he deserves a shout out for that, and also you know to to come up with the interception. One thing I thought was interesting on this on this goal was just that it seemed that a lot of times when you have um, when Schalke plays with two up top, uh, it's a lot about. Uh, pressure on the center backs particularly you know the ball carrying center backs and there's so there's a lot of like running around it seemed as though early in this match we weren't concerned about that so much as we were about denying ball to Dennis Zacharia and also Florian Norhouse and, and Zacharia in particular I mean you saw Matthew Hopper like he was very concerned about his cover shadow yeah um, and was doing a lot of shoulder checking that sort of thing so I thought it was interesting that this goal actually took place in one of the the rare occasions early in the match where Zacharia dropped into the back line to help play balls but then the person who received it ends up playing a bad pass back to him which is <laughs> yeah. just kind of kind of funny to me but yeah um uh daniel how often is is zachary actually doing that and occupying a position between the center backs is that something that happens fairly frequently in possession or, or what uh yeah absolutely he he's really i think his two biggest strengths one dribbling at defenders which at some points he, he may do a little bit too often but uh two kind of his, his ability to find space um, is really one of his strengths. Um, either a po- uh, uh, occupying that position between the center backs, uh, between the center back and, and the fullback, or uh, staying out way out wide. Um, he definitely changes that up throughout the game, um, which makes it even more difficult. You know, oppo- uh, opponents, defenders aren't really sure exactly where he's going to be staying throughout the game. Um, so yeah, that was definitely very common. I'm also not a little surprised when he played that back pass. Um, it, I think some of the body language he displays in games is a little bit of that kind of, you know, relax, don't let the defender get onto you that you're about to make a, a run forward or burst into space or something like that. But sometimes his body language can be a little bit um, laid back and, you know, usually results a little bit into a poor first touch, um, a little bit of a lazy, you know, what they call a hospital ball where you kind of played it back to the defenders. Um, so, uh, yeah, 
the the space they occupy is usually in between that is, is usually standard. Um, very flexible throughout the game. Um, yeah. So it's funny because, uh, you know, up to that point, Shaco were actually doing quite well offensively, creating a lot of opportunities, uh, but leave it to a, a turnover for them to actually get their first goal. Um, when that goal went in, 1-1, are you thinking, uh-oh, maybe this is going to be a tougher game than we expected, or are you still fairly confident that you guys could eke out a result uh, you know, based on who your opponents were? I think it was, as I was a little bit saying before, I think it was, it was a little bit more worrisome, um, probably to the same point of worrisome uh, at the beginning of the game um, because I thought that goal definitely would spark something in Schalke that, you know, especially the the beauty of the goal and, and especially Mark Wood's um, ability to, to pass it down to Ramon. Um, yeah, I thought that was going to be a spark for Schalke and I could have easily seen them scoring another. Um, that's why I really thought it was important. The Whoever was going to score the next goal was really going to have the momentum of the game. Um, so, yeah, there was definitely a lot of worry. Um, especially I totally could have seen the game staying 1-1 until about five minutes ago and Gladbach just giving up another goal in the last 10 minutes. You know, you you just mentioned about Spark and and getting up for the play. And I think a good reason, Jack, we, we should have mentioned this before the game started, before we started talking about the game, a good reason or a big reason why Chaco probably still up for this game is there was a big uh, push from the Chaco fans you know, we've talked about all this negativity had been going on prior to the game. Uh, came out with the hashtag Gemeinsam, which is, you know, together. Uh, and, and what it was, the Shaka fans from all over, all our brethren, a lot of our friends on, on Twitter, uh, put together, you know, really, really short clips, compiled into one big video, Funky Hunter, and, and I think uh, our buddy Maj, they put a video together. Uh, and it was this whole, like, I don't know how, how long it was, it was, it was a collection of all Shaka fans everywhere, just, you know, giving positivity to the team, wishing them good luck, hoping, you know, giving them some confidence. And, that caught traction. Schalke caught wind of that, and they played this video for Schalke prior to the game. And I think that would that helped in the reason why they played so well early on in the game. Jacko, what do you what do you think about that? Maybe I mean you'd hope so. We talked we talked a lot about the psychology being you know one of the biggest issues, and also potentially one of the motivating factors for some of the suspensions that we've seen in the past week as well. It's really about trying to. Um, you know, limit the squad down to who we think is really committed. That's what we've talked about not being surprised with Benito Rama and Stefan Scrooge getting in the lineup players that maybe you wouldn't look at and say, you know, those are our most talented guys, but definitely people that are going to put in the shift and work within the system and, and try to make things happen. Um, so, I mean, to the extent that that video helped, I think that's great. Um, I think Manuel Baum deserves a little bit of credit as well for having a, a decent game plan. And uh, I mean, if anything, I mean, it was it was nice to see Schalke respond after going down because I mean, when you ha when you start a game that positively, right, and then um, you know you're, you're you're have the better of the play, and then Gladbach just score. That would be a moment where we'd see this team collapse. And, and ultimately, we did lose four one, but we responded within a couple minutes and scored again, and then you know closed out. It wasn't until like kind of the end of the first half where suddenly it started getting worrying how much width Gladbach was getting and, and the balls they were playing and that sort of thing. Um, so, uh, but yeah, but shout out, shout out to all the people that put that together. And I think that's, I think that's cool that they showed it to the team and, and hopefully, um, you know, the, the players are aware that we're, we're rooting for them, you know? And I'm glad, I'm glad we started some, seeing some positivity too. Cause you know, we've been trying to be as positive as possible on this podcast with, you know, how things are going. We've been one of the most positive people, I think in the community, uh, so it's good to see uh, the whole team, the whole family get together and really put video out and really say, hey, look, we can do this. Come on, just keep going, keep thinking positive. And it was it was great to see that and, and great to see the team react to it, at least initially. Uh, <laughs> Daniel, you know, I thought, well, I don't know if you thought, but I know I thought I thought things were going to start going in our favor. Uh, 27th minute, you know, Shaka kept putting pressure on, on you guys. 
Uh, and we got a free kick uh, in a good position. And Mark Ut, you know, he, he had his name written all over. He takes a free kick. He misses just wide, hits off the off the post. Um, but it, it, I'm sure you were probably terrified uh, seeing Ut step up to that kind of play and nearly and just missing uh, a, a, a chance, you know, for your team to go down two to one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I was very thankful for the goal post when it ricocheted off of it and went wide. And uh, yeah, I know a lot of Gladback fans too were especially a little critical of Jan Summer. Um, there's been kind of an ongoing joke that he he kind of looks like he just hit a home run sometimes in those post goals, <laughs> where he just is, is just completely studded. He doesn't even dive uh, for his close. And it actually just happened again today against Inter Milan. Um, I think it was Lukaku had a shot that hit the post. And Jan Summer knows it's close enough, but doesn't even bother diving. Um, and so kind of when he started that star-studded uh, stop and we see it going very close, uh, my heart definitely sank a little bit, for sure. <laughs> Jack, uh, you, have to, you have to respect that, though. That is, that is pretty badass to just, to just like, I know where the limits of my area yeah. are. I'm not interested in that one because yeah. it's too far yeah. wide. As long as it stays out, he's, he looks good. But, you know, when it goes in, you're like, okay, you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, you guys, uh, as much as we, you know, we thought we were having a chance to get away, get away with a lead in this one. Um, leave it to you guys on a counterattack. Uh, talk about overcommitting earlier. Uh, Ludwig on this one overcommits. Uh, Newhouse ends up finding uh, Vent on the left hand side, and he scores low on Renov, scoring on the counterattack, just like Gerd saying, two uh, one, just like that. And uh, you, uh, Jack, you had been worried at that point when you saw that goal win because it went in a little too easily, I thought. Yeah, and Killian Ludwig's side of the field has been a problem in that respect for much of the season. And and once again, I don't want to be overly critical of this kid because he's young. I mean, he's nineteen or something. He's young. He's he was playing in the in Barnsley previously. The only reason he's here is because Schalke have no money, and Manuel Baum knows this guy from his experience yeah. um, with the U twenty three. So I don't want to be critical. I think he's getting great experience, and hopefully, it serves him well in his career. Yeah. Um, yeah, but he he pushes up to try to stop that. Skripsky doesn't respond quickly enough, and, and is is not aware of that run happening off of his shoulder. The interesting thing that happens is actually. Ludwig looks like he checks the run and then sees Skripsky there. And then Ludwig does not like try to sprint and cover that. He just kind of keeps jogging and Skripsky doesn't sprint either. So like neither of them actually try to track that. I don't know if they were just gassed or what the deal was, but it almost looked like Ludwig like thought his teammate was covering it and then like turned back to the other. I mean, it's, it's, it's too easy. And then once again, if you watch Nasich on this play, he's not doing anything. Um, <laughs> he's just, jogging around in space he just has i mean maybe we need like seven seven of him on the pitch and just put him in the box because no one is allowed anywhere within his yeah. like realm yeah. of influence so yeah. they won't even be allowed to get into the box at some point um you know the way that's working but uh yeah it was it was heart definitely sank when that one went in because uh, once again it's it's a little bit too easy and then also you know that's it's gonna be um it, it's a long road back for this team anytime we go down against any opponent I was very impressed that we were able to do it once. Didn't find it super likely that we're going to be able to do it twice. And then as as the score you know goes up, that becomes more and more of a problem. So, Yeah, Daniel, uh, your man Newhouse is having a heck of a game at that point, a goal and an assist, a nice assist to Vent. Uh, Vent had a, you know, a decent goal, but I think the, the, the pass to really spring him was, was better. Uh, Renault probably could have done a little bit better on the, on the shot and stop there. But, um, yeah, how, how impressed are you with, with Newhouse so far this season, and in particular this game? Yeah, no, I, was, I think he's definitely so far in the season been player of the season so far for uh, Gladbach. Um, definitely breaking through, you know, getting called up for Germany national team. Um, just 
redefined. He, the thing last season, especially under Dieter Hacking, when he first played for the first team, was playing a little bit more of an advanced playmaker role, and now he's kind of being switched into a deeper line role, and it, much, much better. Um, there's a lot more comfortable coming deep for the ball. Um, really good first touch to find himself space. And yeah, just like those passes to vent on the second goal, um, just his ability to pick out those little holes and spaces in between defenses and get the ball through. So again, kind of our fast men up front um, is makes him really lethal. And so I'm I'm hoping that he sticks around a little bit longer on the long term for Gladbach because I can definitely see him being someone that uh, either Munich or um, Dortmund snap up. But I think uh, Jack actually hit the hit on the head a little bit earlier when he was talking about the width that Schalke was giving uh, Gladbach. And uh, definitely moving forward kind of after Schalke scored, um, I think maybe Schalke was getting a little bit too excited and pushing up on those wide areas a little forward. Um, because, yeah, that was – I think there was maybe just a little bit before that goal or before or after that goal. Um, there's another chance down the wing um, uh, for Turam. Uh, we're just acres of space on the, on the wide area. So um, yeah, you, people talking about positivity and even though Ludwig was probably the one over committing a little bit, I will actually give him some props. There were a couple of times where he's going one, one against Turam and he stopped him. Dennis tracks, he's able to force him on the outside and Turam had nowhere to go. And I think twice it went out for a throw in for Schalke and one was a corner. Um, so for someone 19, as you guys were mentioning, not too much experience. He, he did well against Turam for sure. For, for sure. And he definitely puts a shift in. And that's what I'm saying is like, is like he's only here like because we're desperate. Not not to insult like what his potential, you know, future prospects are. He's not good enough to play in the Bundesliga at some point or a league like that. But I mean, this is not somebody that Schalke had targeted and specifically brought in to replace Daniel Caligiuri or, you know, somebody like that. This is just kind of like a, you know, putting a bandaid on, a, on an issue. So I, just, I hate going after him specifically because clearly there's a lot of issues in this team and not just, you know, a kid who's out there trying his best for a short term period of time. Yeah. And, you know, Daniel mentioned uh, how the opportunities were starting to create itself with the width and everything. Uh, and that goal seemed to kind of open the floodgates, really, um, if it hadn't been broken before. Uh, just a few minutes later, uh, you guys, and, and I'm like, you guys, I mean, Gladbach, they had a corner kick. Uh, Taram hits the post uh, off, with a, off the crossbar with a header. Um, and then Jenska misses a great opportunity to put to make it 3 1 at that point. Uh, but a lot of opportunities for you guys at Gladbach. Uh, and luckily for us, I guess we we escape with a two-one uh, deficit going into halftime. Um, at that point, Daniel, like you mentioned, it just seemed like the floodgates were open, and you guys are starting to create opportunity after opportunity, really using that width. Um, but you saw the big boys really starting to get their 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 chances in this game. Yeah, for sure. And and I knew unless something drastic happened kind of halftime, I was hoping for Gladbach to maybe get a third one before halftime to get that little bit of buffer. Uh, but I knew kind of halftime unless something dramatically changed um, for Schalke or Gladbach decided to come out and play it too safe that hopefully that would continue. We'd be able to grab uh, one or two more. And again, it's kind of like we were saying in the beginning. I mean, Schalke were committing people forward. They were trying to continue kind of the possession and attacking um, threats that they had at the very beginning of the game. And that was just unfortunately falling into perfectly into the hands of Gladbach who were completely prepared to sit back um, and just get all the counterattacks they, they could, um, especially using the width again, kind of in the second half. Um, so yeah, I was hoping for a third one before half, but uh, yeah, I knew that it'd probably continue on the second half the way it was looking. 
Well, you didn't get one in the before halftime, but you did get one just after the break in the 52nd minute. Uh, a nice free kick. It kind of looked like a set play. Uh, and the, the the free kick, I should say, ends up going to Herman out left. Uh, he hits it back in the middle. Plie, his shot gets saved. But Taram is there to wipe up the rebound top top of the net. Uh, 3-1 at that point, and it looked like the game was over. Um, it seemed like a set play, Daniel. Uh, is that is that something you've seen before from Gladbach off free kicks? Uh, interestingly, not under Marco Rosa, and that's kind of what the Gladbach fans kind of criticized him for. Last, under Dieter Hecking, I think Hecking's um, assistant coach was huge on drawing up these really great set plays. And I want to say Alison Playa in his first season in the Bundesliga probably scored like three or four off of these well-crafted um, kind of trick plays. And that was kind of thrown completely out the, the door last year under Rose's first season, but I've seen it maybe once or twice. Um, they're not every time, but once in a while they'll they'll try to throw in a little clear set piece uh, planned there. This, this is the trade off you make, though. I mean, if you want that versatility in terms of your system, you know, you don't you don't, yeah. get, you don't I mean you don't get the set plays anymore. I mean, they, 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 not now you get the set plays, the creative stuff, but you're going to that four two three one consistent. Can't do both at the same time. You know? Yeah, only twenty four hours in a day, unfortunately. Yeah. Who do you think you're Byron? Come on now. <laughs> Jack, um, I, what do you want to get with this goal? I mean, Richard. Richard. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to ask you a question here, and let me see if you can Uh-oh. figure out where I'm going with this. All right. If you had to guess, who do you think was one of the two people that had a body on Marcus Turan before that kick was taken? If one of two bodies, it would either be Kabak or Nastasic. It was Bataya Nastasic and Omar Mascarell, both yeah. of whom immediately turn their back on him and lose him so that he's open for the rebound. There's two people on him. It's, I mean, yeah, it's it's a nice it's a nice set play from from Gladbach, but it's just it's just bad defending. It's the kind of stuff we see all the time. People are just falling asleep. They're ball watching. They're not sticking on their man. I mean, and just before that, just before that, uh, Kabak was actually on plie, and he really didn't do well. To the, the reaction wasn't great to give him opportunity to shoot. He was slow to react, and then like you said, Nastasage and Mascarell really not doing you know Taram any favors, and or did a big favor I should say, and let him open so he could get that goal. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's and I hate I hate doing this like very um th- this kind of level of analysis week after week it's just like well another another you know moment where somebody falls asleep it, there's not there's not anything interesting to talk about after a while it's just we're hoping they listen stuff. to the podcast and get it through their head that this is what's going on you need to pay attention a bit more just little things go uh, make big problems when you when you especially defensively in your own box if you don't mark the right guy a goal is going to happen. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's much more interesting to talk about why these opportunities are created in, in terms of like how the opponent is is um, attacking and exploiting the system that you're in to create some of these opportunities. But so often on the goals that we concede, there, there's just too many individual mistakes happening at various parts of the field for you to like point to something on like a tactical level. I mean, I'm sure there are things to talk about, but it's just like it feels kind of pointless to even address some of that when it's the same people falling asleep week after week, you know, go after goal. So, well, uh, I mean, since we're talking about that, uh, just to round all the goals out in the 80th minute, Kabak, uh, way up high in the midfield, uh, causes a turnover, tries to do a little too much. And I get it, it was under pressure with Plie. Plie gets ends up getting the ball, finds Hannes Wolf. Hannes Wolf gets the goal 4 1. Um, I mean, at that point, uh, Daniel, you already knew the game was already won at that point, but um, it didn't seem like you, while you guys had to counterattack and it was very lethal, it, it, it was Schalke again beating beating themselves up more than anything. Or what did you see from from your side? Yeah, it's kind of after the third goal, three one, unless something again kind of. Glad back out, player sent off or something uh, crazy. Expected as we were kind of expecting three points, and and I think it was a little bit of a mix of things. 
um, you know, Shalika, very justifiably, we're going to continue attacking, committing people forward, um, and yeah, falling hands again into that, into that counterattack. Um, yeah, but I think kind of at the end of the game, especially in the 80th minute, I think both teams are kind of going through those kinds of um, motions where Schalke are just desperately, desperately trying to throw people forward. Gladbach are really just sitting back, um, making the substitutions, getting people on for some match sharpness, um, and just trying to see out the game. Yeah, it seems like uh, a game like this could go one of two ways for at least for you guys from your perspective. Um, it either you know keeps that confidence high, going sky high, or uh, could maybe expose some weaknesses that you weren't sure, or maybe being a little complacent that you weren't expecting to do, and could really hurt you going forward. Um, do you feel that that game at all whatsoever? Because you know the, the way that it went. That may, that it maybe helped you, you know, go go out the rest of the season, or you think maybe there's a little bit of complacency going on with you guys, and maybe after that third goal, you kind of just really wanted to see it out, like you said. Yeah, um, that's a good question. I think a lot of those uh, weaknesses that the game exposed were probably in the first 20, 25 minutes, um, where Gladback. I, I mean, I say I, kind of as the game was going on, it was clear that they wanted to take the approach of staying back and going, waiting for the counter. Um, but they actually did try to attempt to, to really control the game that Schalke were doing and wrestling for a possession. And that resulted in, I mean, I think Kramer and, and Neuhaus probably mispaced, misplaced it, um, like four or five just simple passes to the person next to them and, and not even being pressured or anything like that. Um, so I think it, the biggest weakness that I showed, not so much at the end of the game, but at the beginning, um, that Gladbach can't really take for granted that they're just going to control every game. Um, and I think along the way, they kind of learned a strength that they have is um, even if they're not changing their formation, they're being a little bit tactically flexible um, that they can adapt in game that recognizing, okay, we're not, for whatever reason, we're not controlling this game. We can't complete passes. Schalke are very adamant about having possession, controlling it. Well, let's sit back and, and have that change kind of before even halftime, before Rosa and the staff have to kind of implement that and get that across. Yeah, Jack, uh, it was a tough game for us, uh, no doubt about it. It started out well. I think there's some positives we can take from the game. Um, we did start out the game fairly well. We took it to, to Gladbach for good portions of the first half. Uh, we just need to find a way to keep that train rolling. And if it go, we go down a goal – keep pushing back they did it the one time but like you said when that second goal went in it kind of got deflated and you saw more Gladbach taking over just quickly on that on that last goal I did have to do you know one of these real quick because you know Kabak was doing his best Stambouli impression there on the uh yeah the charging way yeah. out of position to try to cut off something that doesn't work and that you know they get in behind um anyway uh yeah it's I, I understand that there's going to be a lot of Shalga supporters who, who watch this and, and I, I I agree with it to, to a certain extent and will probably increasingly agree with it as time goes on in the sense that we can talk about improvement all we like but when we're losing 4-1 how much improvement you know is there actually taking place and, and it's I think there's some and, and I think you know I, I do think that Manuel Obama has had an effect on the team but ultimately it's it's still there's just too too much naive defending happening and too many individual mistakes and, and those are things that are very difficult to like coach out of players. Um, I don't know on some of these plays what Manuel Baum can realistically do to like show them footage and be like here's how you correct this. It's just it's very basic stuff that some of these guys should know. Um, and uh, yeah, we we thought that we had kind of gotten the defense under control a little bit. 
it's looking like it's slipping away from us again, which is a problem. It um, seemed it, like at one point that we really weren't sure what the problem was, whether it was goal scoring or what it was. But we, what we've seen lately, at least out of Manuel Baum's team, is that the one area that continues to be a blaring weakness is the defense. Uh, the attack is starting to get their head around it now. Midfield is a little bit better. That defense has been porous. And the problem with this is, you know, if, if you're conceding, you know, one goal a game, maybe two, and you throw a couple clean sheets in there, then you could say, okay, you know, it's not our offense such as it is might be able to overcome this at certain period of time and get, get us some results. But our offense is not, is not good right now either. We have the, we have the fewest goals scored tied with Bielefeld, I believe, and the most goals goals conceded. Our offense is not in a position where it can outfire our defense and, and get us results. So if we start slipping back and do you know this three goal four goal game thing, I mean there, there's not a lot that we can do about you know where we're where we're headed. I mean, we have to find a way to fix the defense first and foremost, um, and, and not be under pressure so much so that the offense actually has a chance to go out there and and, and try to improve. Here's a, a damning statistic. As bad as we've been, it says uh, this came from. This is courtesy of uh, Deutsche Welle Sports. Uh, Schalke have gone 21 Bundesliga games without keeping a clean sheet. The last time they didn't concede was a 0-0 draw versus Mainz in February. This is pre-COVID. Uh, that's pretty alarming. That's. I mean, we talk about the defense being bad. They haven't stopped any goals from going in in a long, long time. Nearly a year. Uh, oh boy. <laughs> well, as for Gladbach, let's change the change topic just a little bit. Um, you guys had a big game, obviously, against uh, Inter this today. Uh, and in the next five games, it's, it's, they're pretty pretty decent games. You got Freiburg coming up in the in the league. You got Real Madrid, which is a big game for you guys, you know, to make sure that you're gonna. I think you're gonna qualify anyway, but you know, it's, it's just to make sure it's uh, put a put a point on that. Uh, and then you got Hertha, Eintracht, and, and Hoffenheim. Um, what are you looking to see out of these next five games, especially the four games in the Bundesliga? Um, yeah, I think it's still still trying to maintain that balance of, you know, we're going to go all in with our strong, strongest 11 against Real Madrid. I think right now we're no matter what, we're going to get knockout stages, either Champions League or Europa League. Um, but I think we need a tie to secure next round of Champions League and a win to top the group. Um, so they're definitely going to be up for that. I think the biggest game, um, Eintracht Frankfurt is always going to be tough, but actually Frankfurt. Um, Historically, Gladbach have always kind of either uh, underestimated them um, or always slipped up. And they haven't had their best start of the season, so I, I have a feeling that they're due for a nice Christian strike uh, magic. Um, so hopefully that's not against against us. So I think, um, yeah, maintaining that balance uh, of, of rotating players, um, especially I, I think there's a midweek uh, game in there um, uh, the day of a uh, Pokel game um yeah maintaining that balance and and really not making sure you overestimate um or underestimate a team um but I think the Frankfurt and Freiburg game are gonna are gonna be two tough ones yeah. well well Daniel thank you for uh for joining us and helping us break this one down any of our listeners can probably tell how much better Daniel was tactically just by uh, <laughs> so, so, than, than we are. 100%. I mean, I mean, even even this has raised the game of the podcast already. So so thank you. We appreciate you getting the, uh, the Gladbach perspective and uh, helping us not feel so alone as, as we talk about what what is transpiring <laughs> with our with our beloved club. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's definitely different uh, to, analyzing games and talking tactics uh, over a podcast and instead of front of your nice uh, little graphics board or something like that. Uh, but yeah, I appreciate it. Hopefully, maybe in the Ruck Runda, uh, 
Hopefully, Schalke have a little bit more luck, but not against uh, Gladbach. Then. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Daniel, where can our followers find you? Not only find you on Twitter, but also your uh, your uh, tactics blog. Uh, yeah, they can find my tactics blog. It has its own uh, Twitter page, at Fallen Analysis. Um, and there's the link to the WordPress uh, blog. Um, you can see a couple of the articles from last season. I usually tweet kind of my tactical thoughts on that Twitter account as well. And hopefully in the now, actually, hopefully this weekend and, and so forth, maybe until February, I should have uh, weekly tactical reviews of all the Gladbach games. Um, so, yeah, you can find me there, interact with me there, talk about Gladbach or the Bundesliga. Good work. Uh, good luck with your uh, your schoolwork, sir, for the rest of the uh, rest of the year here. Thank you. Thank you, Daniel. Have a great one. Yeah, you too. See you. All right, that was Daniel McDermott uh, from Defolen Analysis. Uh, definitely upping our game here on uh, on the podcast uh, with the tactical analysis uh, that we can't bring, apparently. <laughs> uh, Gerd says, thanks, Daniel and Gladbach, for the one win this year. <laughs> That's true. That is a good point. Uh, before we move on, Gerd had a point about, you know, uh, some more positivity, uh, saying that look at the standings of the nine games we play. Seven of the teams are in the top eight or so. And that's a good point, as we've been talking about. If we can keep doing the same especially the last couple games the way we've been playing against these teams against some of these lower teams we need to trans translate that into some goals or wins both yeah th this is a good this is a good point here um we, we talked about how difficult our schedule was to start but we're entering a run of games here before the winter pausa that yeah. that are um very important outside of Bayer leverkusen which is that our next game uh leverkusen might yeah. be yeah, but so outside of leverkusen yeah. who are in the top four we're playing augsburg we're playing freiburg we're playing bielefeld um i think we're playing Hertha, Hoffenheim are in there as well, and, and Frankfurt and, and you know Cologne. So we have maybe like one or two teams in there that are even in the top like 10, I think, or top eight. And then after that, there's a lot of teams around us. So um, if we are going to start getting some results and, and really seeing a positive turnaround of the team, uh, this would be when you would expect to hopefully see it. And it's also just even more important because um, as much as we try to stave off relegation talk on this podcast and we'll continue to do so until it actually becomes um, even something, then. something of a real possibility <laughs> mathematically. Yeah. Um, you know, we're playing teams here in the next few games that are around us in the table right now. And so if we do end up staying in this part of the table, these are super important games in terms of, you know, to get points and, and get some distance between you and the other guys near the bottom. So, um, yeah, but there is, there is reason for optimism. Our schedule is going to ease up and uh, hopefully we find a way to take advantage of that. Absolutely. hundred percent. agree with that. Um, let's get into some positivity before we get into some of the stuff that happened this last week. Cause there was a lot of, we had a, a season's worth of drama in the last week, uh, but to the good stuff first, uh, we want to give a, a shout out to our good friends at the Halfeld Flanke. Uh, they're doing their own uh, uh, advent calendar, if you will. Uh, 30 days of, of Schalke fans' favorite players in the first days today, and it's Klaus Fischer. So definitely give them a follow. Check out the webpage. Uh, check out the if you if you just follow them, help help a help a <laughs> help a help flanka. Excuse me, my tongue twister uh, on Twitter. Uh, and the, every day they're gonna do a new one, just like the just an advent calendar would be. Um, and yeah, it's good stuff. The, our friends there, so definitely give them a check out there. Uh, good shout out there for them. Um, 
we wanted to be involved in that, but we said that we were going to uh, be requesting uh, Lord DeSantis, but yeah, Lord Lord DeSantis, <laughs> and, and and they immediately and Berkshire didn't work. Yeah. Rescind, rescinded that. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> uh, but yeah, let's uh, let's get us down. Let's get into what happened this last week because it's not been pretty. Uh, first. First news that came out. Podcast, my friend. Let's it go. is. And we have to vent though, because uh, a lot of shit happened. Um, first thing that happened was uh, Michel Reshka uh, was let go. He's gone. Next thing we had was Ibisevich. His contract terminated. So the two new guys that we have to come into the season for striker, they're both gone. One's on injury. That's Paciencia. But uh, Ibisevich, he's been terminated. Uh, and then um, Harit and Bentela both get suspended. So Lisa, I don't need this. I swear to God, I do not need this right now, okay? And it's true. We don't need this. Uh, and you think it couldn't get worse, right? But no, it does get worse because before the game, uh, we find out there's injuries galore. And, and we and we alluded to it a little earlier. Uh, Paciencia had a big injury. Matando was injured. Sane, which we I don't know the extent of his injury, Jack. Uh, do you know how long he's out? I, I'm super distracted right now because I'm concerned that we didn't get permission to, uh, and I don't, want, I don't want him coming after us. I want Joe Pesci. <laughs> I don't want Joe Pesci, of all people, coming after the podcast with the copyright stuff. Uh, can you, can you repeat your question? I'm sorry. Asane, uh, Salif Sane. Do you know how long he's injured? Uh, I do not. It sounded like his his injury did not require surgery like Paciencia's yeah. did. So hopefully, it's going to be much more. Short short term. I thought I saw something that said he may have even been doing individual training already. I could be yeah. totally wrong about that though. So hopefully um we have him back before the winter pause, but don't quote me on that. And I think uh I think uh Paciencia's surgery was today and I think it was successful, but still it's a long, long recovery. Anyway, uh Fairman, he's out with an injury. Ochipka was uh out with an injury. And we thought maybe this is a chance for free, the free Katucci movement to get a get a chance, but no, uh, you know, there's a positive case, and it is alleged that he is the one who got the positive case. That's why he wasn't playing. Um, so because of all these all these injuries, all the, yeah, all these injuries and and po- COVID case, uh, we had to bring in some Kanapenschmidt players, Jan Luka Schuler, who who entered the game. He actually came off for Matthew Hop, uh, Florian Flick, uh, Kareem Chalanolu, who's a cousin of Hakan Chalanolu and Mikael Madden. Oh, and and Matthew Hop, who got the start in this one. Um, let's talk about some of the, the, the two young boys who actually started this game. Um, Matthew Hop, what'd you make of his first start? You know, I actually, I actually liked some of his off the ball movement quite a bit. He's a lot taller than I thought he was. I thought he made some interesting runs, uh, that at times weren't appreciated. Um, uh-huh. one of them, I seem to remember he made a nice run on a counterattack early in the match, kind of through the middle. And it looked like Mark Oot may have been able to play him in for a shot on goal and ended up holding it up and then firing his own shot from outside the box that was not hit with, I think he kind of scuffed it a little bit. Um, there was another one where it looked like Hobb had maybe drawn a foul right at the edge of the penalty area, which was not called. And then Mascarell attacked them on the counter, which they also yeah. let go as part of like a makeup call for not calling that foul. Yeah. Um, there's one other time I, I, I seem to remember he, he was making a nice run off the shoulder on a counterattack and Suat Serdar like waited like three seconds too late to play a ball to him and then it ended up being missed. I don't know. So um, what I would say is I think there were a couple moments where Daniel was talking about body language and that leading to sometimes inaccurate passing and that sort of things. There was a couple times where I thought Matthew was like a little bit too casual with some of his passing. And that seemed to become a little bit more of a problem like after the 30th minute or so. I, I'm trying to remember exactly when all these things happened. But um, I would say I was I – th- I would say he did a little bit better than I expected him to do 
yeah. overall based on what we've been hearing from people that actually watch Knappich Media games. We would have loved to see him score a goal, but I mean, considering that, he did he did fairly well, I thought. Uh, and then we got to see uh, he was substituted out and Jan-Lucas Schuller, another young Knappich Media, came in. Uh, he looked he looked okay too, another big body. He had a good header that uh, went over, but you know we would like to see him do better. But still, he was I mean, in is involved. N- nine minute cameo when the game was already lost. Those are like the yeah. kind of minutes Katuchu gets. I don't really feel like judging Schuller on the basis of what was going on at that point. You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, it just this week had been crazy, and, and the craziest thing that happened yet. So like we said, Reshka's out. So Reshka's out. Ibisevic is terminated. Uh, Bentaleb, Harit suspended. Where do you want to start with that? Let's just go in order, I guess. Um, yeah. so let's, let's start with Reshka. Uh, I mean, first of all, what, what were your thoughts on on that that announcement? Were you surprised by that? I was not surprised. Uh, okay. We heard we heard rumors that there were some uh, arguments, disagreements between the two, and the two meaning Reshka and Schneider, um, and that there were there were there were just a lot of disagreements going back and forth about you know how they do things. There's also rumors this week that Reshka tried to set up a deal between uh, Omar Mascarell and Hertha Berlin, a sale that neither Mascarell nor Schneider knew about. So that kind of added to things. And so I was not surprised to see him go. I mean, if anyone's going to go between Schneider or Reshka, I thought it was going to be Reshka. What about you? So I'm trying to remember the chronology of when this stuff happened. I mean, isn't isn't Reshka like a Schneider hire? Or did those things happen separately? Because I thought when Schneider got appointed, he he brought in Mike like Reshka, Reshka as a squad planner. So the idea that they're not, which is not to say that like a working relationship can't, you know, uh, dissipate over time or something. But it was my understanding that he was somebody that like got brought in specifically because they were on the same page um, and he liked what, what Reshka had done in the direction he was taking. So the idea that they're butting heads and suddenly don't have an agreement on a vision yeah. is a little bit surprising. And then also just, I don't know, it just, it's not a good sign for the club in the terms of, you know, some of the people that are pulling the strings in terms of management and squad planning, um, they can't even pull in the same direction, uh, which is what we need at the moment. But um, yeah, I, I guess we'll have to see if we notice any, discernible shift i guess in january if we try to do anything and say hey that seems like a move that's kind of outside the box and maybe reshka wouldn't have done i don't know i I don't have it's hard to it's hard to know like who is responsible for exactly what at times and so it's it's at times it's hard to judge certain people for for their performance overall in the club but um i guess i was slightly more surprised than you were by it yeah um and so that's one thing that happened this week uh the next thing ibisevich's contract's getting terminated now, the quote came out from Schneider said that it wasn't because of the tussle between him and Naldo, though the co- it was very very much coincidence that it did happen right after the fact. I yeah. mean, I don't know. It's uh, We brought in a guy, Ibisevich, and I thought he had he had that potential of being that guy who, one, he's a poacher, but also just having that locker room presence being an, an elder statesman, um, and all of a sudden he's gone. Uh, I was probably more shocked about this than I was about, about uh, Reshka. What, what about you? I think part of the problem we have with some of this, and we'll get into this more in a minute, is just I feel like there has been something of a a lack, not a lack of transparency, that's not the right word, but like a lack of of details yeah. in terms of why some of these decisions were made in all these press releases, whether it's in Schneider's comments or other people's comments. So, you know, I, I think if I remember correctly, it was said that, you know, for in, in Ibisevich's case, um, I'm trying to pull up the quote here actually right now, if I can find it, if you can give me like two seconds. Um, yeah. Uh, how our work together hadn't gone as as we had both hoped. Basically, yeah. was was the sentiment in general. Um, I find that to be a very strange comment because it, it begs the question: what what was what was Bisevich pitched? 
when he was brought into the starting club. role or what? Like, I mean, that's the thing because he's 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 unhappy with how it went. Is he unhappy just because we're losing? I mean, surely he knew that he was being brought in because we were on this massive win the streak, had no money, to, and we needed like striker help. Was he promised a starting role and didn't get it? That seems unlikely as well. Um, so yeah, I'm not exactly sure what happened there, but it just this is what I'm saying. The, the like the lack of of details that really makes sense. I think foster speculation, and that's not necessarily helpful. I would have liked. And maybe there's details out there that I haven't seen in other media sources or whatever, but I was, yeah, I was somewhat surprised by that as well. And especially like, as you said, the timing of it within all the thing, it wasn't related to that, but then it happens right after that. I mean, something was clearly going on there and yeah. Uh, yeah. And that, yeah. not, not what we needed. Cause even though the piece of hadn't done a whole lot, I, I did think he looked okay when he came on the pitch and we certainly need that depth um, given what happened to Paciencia and just in general. Let's not talk about what happened about these next two players uh, by the commentator, but we'll, we'll get to that after. But uh, the, the other news we heard was Bentaleb and Harit both suspended and had to be forced to train by themselves. All signs are that they're not going to be back on the team. Uh, we kind of knew something was going to happen with Harit at least because yeah. he left the game after the 39th minute. He left the, he left the pitch and he was pissed off and, you know, whatever. There's also rumors and we want to clear up before, after the game that, you know, Stambouli had also, when he got substituted off, he just left the stadium, which was untrue. Cause I think he ended up leaving with Naldo or Paciencia or somebody like that. So that rumor was untrue, but, uh, Harit was obviously in a big hissy fit after he got subbed out for, and I can see why he would be upset, but he didn't do anything to promote not coming off. So, there's that. So he got suspended. And then Nabil Bentaleb, someone who's had discipline problems in the past, gets it suspended again. Uh, what do you make of these two moves? Uh, w- once again, uh, as I just said regarding the previous thing, when it when it comes to Bentaleb in particular, there was in we say this on the podcast a lot. We don't see what happens behind the scenes. We don't see what happens in training. We don't see the com- you know what happens in the locker room. You and I are in America. We're not privy to everything that goes on. As far as the Bentaleb thing goes, though, there was nothing demonstrable in the way we saw Harit's body language. Right? We saw the extent yeah. to which we thought there were times he wasn't buying in. We saw how, how he reacted to being subbed off in the 38th minute and all that. With Bentaleb, we didn't see any of that. No. He came on against Wolfsburg in the second half. Looked pretty bright. Right, like look, look decent, and then the details that emerge are, are non-existent. It's just it's clear that Bentaleb and Schalke aren't a fit together, and so this is what I'm saying: is the lack of details into why this decision was made allows there to be rampant speculation as, yeah. as to what's really going on. And then Bentaleb is coming, gets to come out and do his own PR campaign where he says, "I'm shocked by this. There was no reason. I didn't do anything." Yeah. And the club hasn't countered that Correct. in any way. And so, I mean, I'm sure there's reasons why details on what happened haven't been given, and and I'm not. In PR communications, I don't know what goes into these decisions from you know f- from the club's perspective, yeah. but I just think it's a little bit unwise in the sense that you now have Benzlib being able to go out and say whatever he wants, and it makes Schalke look like they're just making these weird decisions. You combine that with uh, the uh, I think there's a lot of Schalke supporters right now who are sort of hypersensitive. I mean, I think the entire world is in, the, in you know with the rise of the Black Lives Matter movement and the events of earlier this year, but Particularly, there's a lot of fans based on the Clemens Turney situations that are hypersensitive to racism or any sort of perceived racism anywhere in and around the club. The two players who are suspended are North African players. Stefan Freund doesn't help us by going on TV and then suggesting that it's something to do with their heritage, which is why they're temperamental and don't buy in or something like that, which is not the right thing to say and is you know, certainly wrong. Um, and uh, that just, I think, added to the whole negative image of, of, of these whole moves and everything is... is 
who the players were and, and some of the things that are being said by third parties. So, yeah, just just a tough week and, and hopefully some more things come to light. I'm trying not to be judgmental about it. Um, and I think there have been some overreactions. It's just like, I mean, just tell us what's going on. That's that's the thing. Yeah. Do, do you agree? <laughs> I, I agree. And I think this whole week has just been crazy. And then when that Stefan Freund came out, I, I think the, the perfect quote for that is. And let me see. What else could we pile on? Is there any more shit we could pile on to the top of the outcome of this case? Is it possible? That's how I felt. I was like, what is this bull? I mean, what else is going to happen now? Um, the Stefan Freund thing, I think, was disgusting. And, and I, I don't know. I wasn't there. I mean, people are saying, you know, no, no one on the panel said anything. Oh, by the way, Benedict Covid, this was on that panel. Just throwing it out there. I didn't know, I didn't know that. He was. Um, but... Uh, yeah, this whole thing came out, which was disgusting. I'm glad Shalka Nation stepped up and, and, and voiced their angst against them. Not only them, but it was a bunch of people came out. Uh, Shalka came out immediately, which they should have, you know, yeah. uh, and said, this is bullshit. You cannot say this kind of stuff. And that's not the quote. Obviously, I'm paraphrasing. Uh, but they obviously came up and, stand, and stood up about that. Freud did come out and apologize, but people aren't taking that for granted. And, and a lot of his friends, and, you know, we've had some of his, some of his, his, his co-workers on the podcast before so they may they may know a different side to him but from what we saw from from like you said everyone's hypersensitive at the moment is not a good look and and the excuses that he made about it was un, unfounded untrue and you know that's not the reason why they were let go and i completely disagree with everything he said whether he meant it or not um both from they don't fit to the club and also but with with his comments yeah and shout out to to shaga for sending that tweet as, as soon yeah. as they did because that was the kind of strong response that I think was needed in that situation. So props, props on that, on that front. The other thing I would say is that, I mean, these are two players that have a demonstrated history of disciplinary issues. And so I think we should potentially cut Schalke the benefit of the doubt in this situation. Sure. Like th these are two guys that we know have had issues in the past with, with staying committed or following team rules, you know, like arriving late, all kinds of things. Yeah. Um, and so the notion that we would, if, if Harit and Bentaleb were bought in, had the right attitude, were playing well, and you know, were, were guys that Manuel Baum, for instance, was like, these people are crucial to me being successful at my job and, 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 and turning this thing around. If that was the case, I find it very hard to believe that Schneider or anybody else would have just said, too bad, I'm pulling them out of the squad. Yeah. You know what I mean? So some of this I would have to think has to come from Baum as well in terms of like, this is an issue. And, and from that perspective, that's what I mean is it's not, it's not surprising because there's a demonstrated history. So it's, it's easy to believe that this is the case. It's just the lack of the details are, are I think the problem and why you're seeing so much speculation online from various people, because we, it's, at least as far as I'm aware, we still don't have any details as to what happened with Bentel. And we couldn't see anything either, at least in the Harit yeah. case, we could kind of see some stuff that, that, okay, that makes sense maybe, you know? Yeah, and we and we saw after the fact, uh, Baum, uh, and maybe I think it was I think it was just before the Gladbach game how we talked about how we're gonna you know fight hard and make sure we the the players who are playing for the team. I think the comments were after the game actually that you know players who are gonna play for the team are who are we gonna try to play out there whether it's younger players or or the players who are there now. Um, and you start to see a little bit in that lineup with some of the guys who are out there, guys who are gonna hustle you know for all the whole time that they're out there. That's good. You know, Matthew Hopp did a fairly decent job for, uh, for himself. Um, it'd be nice to see, you know, Bazduan again, who we haven't seen in a long time because he, he seemed to show that kind of hustle when he's out there. So, yeah, we're as a team overall, we need to step it up, play harder. Uh, doesn't matter where the hell you're from, just play hard, play for the club.
uh, play for the fans. Um, and so we need to see that. It's 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 unfortunate all this shit has happened in this last week. Like I said, it's a year's worth of stuff happened in the last couple of days. Um, and it's it's been crazy. Um, I mean, I don't know what, what to say on that anymore to say. Anything else you want to say on that before we get to the listeners' questions and answers? No, I guess what I would say is just to, to the fans that are, that are freaking out about this, because I know that Ben Taleb in particular has has his supporters amongst, you know, yeah. fans. I don't know. It just if if Harit was in the kind of form he was in, like you know, early last year when he was bailing us out constantly, It'd be if, a- ben, if Ben Taleb was in peak form, you know, for when when he was in a Schalke kit, maybe this would be a different conversation. I would understand the pushback to some extent, but I guess what I would say is that it certainly seems that there's things happening behind the scenes that aren't that aren't public, and we should before we pile on and try to go crazy over this, we should probably just give him the benefit of the doubt and see how it plays out. Um, and, you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe the results are going to turn around shortly with improved team spirit if these guys were bad in the locker room or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And you certainly can't blame somebody like Manuel Bomber Schneider for the situation they're in to try to trim down the squad to the people that you think are absolutely essential in terms of their their buy-in to, uh, yeah. to the mission and everything. So, um, yeah. yeah, as always, our message is let's all just kind of try Take to remain as, yeah, as calm as possible and, and, and see what happens. So not that you can't have opinions on things, but, you know. So with those comments that Schneider meant about uh, said about Bentaleb, it, it sounds like there's a very likely chance that he'll he's gonna be gone in the January window, um, if at the latest uh, in, in 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 the summer window. But it looks like January window. Harit, who knows? We'll see how what where, if this is any further than the one game that he powdered at or not. Uh, but it's certainly um, yeah, it's a difficult time at the moment. So. Uh, one other thing, I know that we've yeah, been yeah. going for an hour and fifteen minutes, so I apologize. Yeah, right. Here's my here's my question to you. Let's assume for a second that that all the suspensions that we've seen have been super justified, right? Mm-hmm. Like they, they they deserve to take place. Schneider did say in his comments that there is a way back into the squad for both of those players. Although we did see the stuff about Ben Taleb potentially being sold, so I don't know yeah. if he's walked that back at all. But would you even want Harit back in the squad at this point? Not the way he's been playing this year. He hasn't done anything on the pitch that would say, "Well, we need him back. We need to have him well, back." Because that's the point I'm trying to make is like this is now not this is not the first time this has happened, and right. so like you give a player a second chance. And once again, we don't know what, what went on in this situation, so I don't want to get ahead of myself. But like you give a player a second chance if if there's a compete a repeated pattern of behavior, like you don't just keep him around because he plays well when everything's going well at the club. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it, it's it's unfortunate. Yeah. It's just at this point, it's like do you, do we even care? Like if this is going to be a repeated issue, is this somebody that we actually even want? Yeah. in or on the squad who knows certainly a talented player and and regardless of what happens with either of them um i wish them i wish them well in their careers and everything because they're both very good players and um certainly not an easy place to to uh apply your trade at the moment in gales and Kirchner. yeah absolutely um some of the questions let's start with the questions here in the chat group uh paul forster he says uh where do you see nick Taitagui Tadagui, excuse me and matthew hop in the next year or two do you do they both have what it takes to succeed in the bundesliga um, you want to take this? You want to take this one first? I think we got to see it from Tadigui before I can even weigh in on that. Um, I mean, Schalke's kept him around. Uh, he's a player that I that I've I've liked when I when I've seen like highlights of him. I think I think he's an interesting player. But until he he puts in until he gets some minutes and we're able to actually judge him in a Bundesliga context, it's very difficult to be like, yeah, he's definitely going to be a Bundesliga player when he hasn't really even gotten that opportunity. Yeah. Um, Matty as well. Uh. You know, does he get called up right now if it weren't for the cancellation of Abisovich's contract, of Paciencia's injury, if, right. of Katuchu's COVID test, all these other factors? Um, 
Probably not, you would you would say. But hopefully he can take this opportunity, show what he's got, and um, you know, maybe uh stick around in the squad and then go from there. Um and we'd certainly love to see that as Americans. It's just uh, it's t- it's tough to say the sample size for both players at a senior level is very small right now. There's probably a good chance we'll probably see Evan Rotondo and City uh, City Sane before anything as as done. Uh, City Sane, maybe that's right. Uh, our buddy Jake, he says, uh, I thought Hop played well given his age and experience, great attitude, and his work ethic. He seems to be right on target in development. Um, hopefully, he continues progressing. Uh, agree about that. And there's another comment he made about with the quality experience we are putting on the field, these individual mistakes and mental breakdowns should really not be a surprise when you play good opponents, those mistakes get punished. And that's what we've been talking about is like, you know, let's stop making mistakes and giving it, giving an easy one to the opposition because they're going to kill us on those. The the, the top teams are clinical. We need to make them beat us, not let just give it, give give them an easy one. So for sure. Uh, oh, Jake again. Uh, he's very lively. I like it. He says, uh, "Best guess what percentage chance Harit is sold in January? That cash could bolster in some areas that need help in the short term." Yeah, uh, I would say it's a smaller percentage than Bentaleb. I think Bentaleb, you're looking at close. You're probably looking at ninety percent. I would guess maybe seventy-five at the lowest. Harit, I would say twenty-five percent. That, that's the difficult thing now, too. Is like you know, we if, don't know if, yeah. if if Harit had been on the block. Last December, after the the hindrance that he had had, we're talking about a transfer valuation of you know however much. Yeah. And then after that, not only are we are we in a bad run of form, is he in a bad run of form? But now all of the financial details, everyone's like, so it was already a, a buyer's market when it came yep. to to Shaka selling players. Now you have somebody that they've suspended from the squad. For like, I mean, we we can't go to somebody and be like. Well, he's a really important player to us, so you gotta you gotta pony up. It's like we're desperate for cash, and we're not even using him. So, yeah. um, I mean, if he does get sold, I I don't even know. It's it's I, I would kind of like to get if we got fifteen think, million, I'd be surprised. Yeah, it's it's not it, it's unfortunate the way this is probably going to pan out because we yeah. we've talked on this podcast so many times about how we seem to come off on the uh, the losing end of so many of our transfer negotiations. It seems yeah. like we're slated for that with these two guys as well. Yeah, and this time it's not for free, but it's it's the whole situation of everything going on that kind of compounds everything. So uh comment on Facebook. It says uh from Hadizabad, he says, after the results of Gladbach game, where do you think the direction of our beloved team is going? Um I think it's it's slightly going up slightly because I, I I like what I saw the first half, first 30 minutes, first 25 minutes <laughs> against Gladbach. I thought we offensively looked like we had the spark. Um Using Mark Ut as a catalyst offensively is the way to go. Benito Raman, get him involved. Need to find some more help for those two guys. Um, you know, Skripsky, maybe he's he's going to be able to get involved a little bit more. Who knows? But uh, there were some positive signs there offensively. Defensively, we have a lot of issues still. But I think there's a slight, another tick upwards. We're slowly trending upward again. Slowly. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, it's just, you know, what ultimately transpired in the Gladbach game and then also, you know, the Wolfsburg match after a slightly more positive result against Mainz is concerning to some extent. But I would agree with you that I think, especially the first 15 minutes, but even the first half hour of that game, I thought we looked pretty good. Um, and, and that was, once again, some of the better football I think we've played all season at this point. So that that is a positive. But we need to find a way as a team to sustain that for 90 minutes to not collapse at some point. And just really stay locked in it and not commit some of these individual mistakes because I mean you can have ten guys on the pitch, you know that are that are doing their job at any given moment, and if one guy turns off, 
that that's sometimes all you need for for there to be a goal on the on the score sheet. So, yeah, um, yeah it's a process. Like I said, th- these upcoming games are against relatively worse opponents in terms of their table position. Um, now that we've had Manuel Baum for a while, he's you know coached a number of games, a couple international breaks under his belt. This is when we would expect to start seeing stuff, and and hopefully we see it soon because I, I do think that if we get to uh, the Winter Pause and we still haven't registered our first win and are still losing a lot of games. It's, it's going to become increasingly difficult to um, try to stay optimistic about where the season's headed. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. Um, here's an interesting question or comment from Kimono. He says, I believe Kabak and Bentaleb are very likely to be gone in January. Uh, Kabak, you know, if we let him go last a year ago, it would have got a lot of money for him now. I don't, it's going to be a lot less. It's still going to be a good amount. I mean, 25 mil, but not what he's worth, I think. Um, and he says, I really hope Tariq comes back soon because he's very important to the team. I would counter that Kabak is more important to the team than Harit is. Uh, a, if both players, well, it's, it's hard to say. If both players are playing at their top, top form, I mean, Harit's going to get the goals and, and Kabak's going to be stuffing, stuffing guys on the other end. So I don't know. It's, they're equally as important, I guess. I don't know. It's a difficult one. Who would draw more money at the moment? Probably Kabak, I would think. Well, yeah, it's also like Ozan Kabak has not necessarily been a model of consistency either in terms of his his play overall. Like we, We've seen some very strong performances for, from him where you're like, this guy looks like he could be you know, one of these center backs in Europe in, in, in coming years. Um, and then there's there's games this season even where it's just like this today. I mean, against Labak was one of them. You're like, like, what is this guy doing? Like, he's better than this. Yeah. Like, you know, the passing's not there and all kinds of things. So it's tough. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, th- I think at this point, um, because I, I think there's a chance that Harit and Bentaleb might be viewed as slightly tainted goods on a, on a transfer market because of disciplinary stuff. Um, I don't think Kabak will be viewed that way. Yeah. And I, I have seen stuff with AC Milan and Liverpool being linked to him. Um, so hopefully he is the person that's probably in the position to get us the most money. And I wouldn't, you know, I, obviously I like the guy and I want to keep him around, but you know, we got to do what we got to do at this point. Yeah, exactly. Uh, another comment from David Thalen uh, says, uh, with a beast of bitch gone, Paciencia injury, probably long-term Katuchu out injured, uh, which I'm not sure about that. Well, we can, we can verify that later, but it looks like hope might be getting a lot more playing time. Uh, I agree about that. I don't know who they're going to go to right now. I mean, if it's Harit is just a positive case, then he's at least going for one more game. Um, you would think, uh, but if it's injury, it could be obviously longer. Uh, so there's at least one more game for Matthew Hop with um, uh, the game against Leverkusen coming up on the horizon. But it could be a good good chance for him to actually get into the lineup and maybe do something, get some confidence going. I think uh, you know having Oot and and Ramon around him will help. If he gets a goal in there, who knows? Maybe just really ignites the offense with three guys going. We'll see. But uh, what do you think about the prospects of um, Hop getting more more opportunity? I, I think if he want, yeah, I think if he wants more opportunities down the line, he's going to have to do something. I mean, and, and we don't even know if he's going to start against Leverkusen. Um, yeah. Schuler, Schuler could yeah. start. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or Baum could play, you know, by himself up top or Raman up, up, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, assuming Matthew Hoppe does get another opportunity against Leverkusen, I think it's super important for him to make an impact because. I find it hard to believe that, like, you know, once Katuchu's back and healthy, assuming, let, let's say we get Paciencia back at some point this season, that um, unless we see something significant, that Bomb is going to be like, yeah, it's it's Matthew Hopper that I want in the starting lineup as opposed to one of those other two guys. But um, we'll see, like we said. I mean, less than 90 minutes under his belt now uh, as a professional footballer. So extremely small sample size mm-hmm. and, and a lot of a lot of growth and a lot of work to do. But, um, yeah, I, did, I didn't dislike everything I saw from him. I thought, I thought he did some – some good things, and if he keeps that going and then maybe makes a big goal impact, who knows? 
Yeah, I agree. Uh, comment from Glenn on Facebook says, uh, we showed something last game that we haven't seen for a long time. We looked dangerous at times. We looked like we had control. First sign this year we, that, we, that we will win and claw up the mid-table. Can we sustain it, though? Uh, will Bomb reward the, reward the players, or will he tinker with the lineup again, like we, like you kind of just mentioned? As for the defense, he really has little option there other than the three at the back until Sani is fit. Um, also, this could have been a, a, a freak Atucci moment. Unfortunately, that's a shame for him. Uh, yeah. yeah, it really is. Yeah, yeah. It, it looked like he was gearing up for that, and then he ended up not even being. Yeah, we're like, oh, come on. on. Such a tease. I know. Uh, you know, it's an interesting thing about the lineup. Is, is he going to give the guys who played, who did, like I said, there were some positive signs the first half. Will they give an opportunity to continue that in this next game, build off of that against another difficult opponent, or will he tinker with the lineup? Uh, what I don't necessarily want to see, because I don't think it was effective, was against Dortmund. We tried to adapt to their formation, went with the 3-5-2, and it looked really poor the whole game. I don't want to see us try to do that. Um, I you, I don't want to see us try to be like Dortmund ever in any way, in well, any capacity. This is, this is 100% true. This is 100% true. Uh, but I don't want to see us like adapt our lineup to try to f- match whatever they're doing because we don't have the, we don't have the, the, the horses to, to match them. We have to use what, we're, what we, we've been using, what we're familiar with, and try to find a, a system out of that or, or try to be disciplined defensively and build off of that on the counters or whatever. Um, that might be the way to go, but Tinkering with the lineup at this point is it's the mentality is fragile, like you said. You need to give some confidence to these guys, give them some opportunities week in and week out. I don't know. Uh, next comment from the Virginia Canappen says, uh, I'm sure the main theme will be who will step up being leaders on and off the pitch um, and in the club management and then for us being Schalker. Um, I am positive that the situation is being addressed. Um, yeah, we've talked about this before. Someone's got to step up to be a leader. We saw a little bit of Mark Oot uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, some other guys have said some comments too that are that have been good, but you know, Mascarell, you've been you're quiet. You need to step up and say some things. You know, maybe he's in the locker room. We don't know. We, we're not there, but we need some leaders out there. You know, the days of having Huvidis back there, or even guys like Huntelar and some of these guys that in the in the more recent years, um, they're not there anymore. Naldo's in the locker room, but he's not playing. Um, Fairman, he's out injured. Uh, you need someone to step up. Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of. Um... I think to some extent, when you're when you're in a situation like this, words only go so far. And at, at some point, you need somebody to step up on the pitch and just gain that respect via what they're doing on the field. If there's anyone that's doing that right now, to me, it's actually Mark Oot, if yeah. anybody. Um, I think maybe Benito Raman's another shout. Yeah. Um, and we're not in the locker room. We don't know who's stepping up and saying things and, and trying, you know, whatever. Um, Naldo would be – that's part of the reason they brought Naldo in. Hopefully, he's one of the guys that's 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 trying to be that. Um yeah, it's it's just it's just tough. Someone, somebody on this team, or maybe a couple of people, have to really just try to grab the team by the scruff of the neck and and, and pull them forward and lead by example. Yeah, Jake says uh, Mark Ut is as close as we've got to a leader. I love Ramon providing energy. Yep, I agree on both of those. Uh, last comment and last question. Uh, comments from Mark Perno, Mike Perno on Facebook says, "I hope the youth movement continues. Give chances to players who are hungry to make their mark." I agree. Um, again, Chen Bazdawan was going to keep saying his name until he gets on the damn pitch. Him or Katucci, right? <laughs> uh, and then lastly, this is the last question for us. Uh, from Eric on Twitter says, less deserving to stay in the job right now, Joachim Lov or Schneider? Why don't you take a Schneider side in this one? I'll take Lov. No, I mean, yeah. What, what I would say, and this is kind of the point I was trying to get at earlier in this podcast, is I, I was seeing a lot of stuff online this week. Given given the the week that we had, you know, in in the media and everything, people are 
I feel like there's way too much blame being directed Jakob Schneider's way. I mean, keep in mind what position the club was in when he took it over, which was, you know, a finance situation that had been deteriorating for a while. I mean, he came in on the backs of, um, you know, a horrible stretch in Tedesco's second season. Um, I mean, he, he's, he's gone into the helm of this club at a very tumultuous time in its, in its existence. I mean, Clemens Tony steps down in the midst of this as well. So, I mean, to, to be like, you know, this is all Schneider's fault, I think, is is a little bit naive. Now, I mean, have there been mistakes? Sure. I mean, and has he covered himself in glory at times? No. But um, once again, there's, there's, a, there's a holistic picture. There's a, there's a lot of different areas um, where there's issues right now. And, and so when it comes to, like, should, should Schneider lose his job? You and I never advocate for that on the podcast. We try no. to be very careful about that. But also, I just I don't think that's the conversation that needs to be happening. No. Right now, because um, I don't think changing the sporting director in November, almost December, is going to somehow Solve result anything. in yeah result in this 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 change. I mean, maybe I'm very naive about this and how you know that that can affect things. But with what we're seeing on the pitch and, and where the squad is at the moment and the financial situation, like I think there's only so much somebody can do in that position. And um, so yeah, when it, when it comes to that question, I just I, I don't even really want to engage with it. No offense. Yeah, and and also Joachim Lov. I thought, look, look what he's done for Dimanchev. He's done, I mean, fantastic job. He's brought him the first World Cup in a long time. I mean, what he's revolutionized the sport and the way we look at things. They're you know they're playing with a false nine. Well, they were playing with a false nine. Um, yeah, now a lot of the guys are getting older, not performing. But you know, it, every every juggernaut has a has a down moment, a dip. Uh, we've seen it with Spain. We've seen it with a lot of the teams. Uh, Netherlands are just coming out of theirs. France had one before. Now they're back. There's ebbs and flows for everybody, and I think you know, uh, Love deserves the opportunity to try to fix it before he you know gets before he goes. So I don't think he's gonna be fired. So I think his job is pretty safe as well. Uh, you, you come with a, with a pedigree like he does, and the way he's changed the game so much, I think he deserves an opportunity to kind of fix all that. But yeah. So anyway, oh, and you know, you mentioned Tedesco just a minute ago. We had to give him a shout out. Yeah, he's been playing pretty well. Uh, he was uh, voted unanimously as manager of the year in uh, the Russian Premier League. Uh, his team, Spartak Moscow, are actually tied for first or technically in third place, but they're tied in points in the league. I mean, he's using a three-five-two. He's doing really well over there. I mean, good for him. I mean, when you, when you said he was playing well, I'm like, did he just sub himself? Managing, on? Man, yeah, he might have. He's young enough. Action up in Russia. He's young enough. He's younger than some of his players. So, yeah, no, we we love to see. That. I mean, listen, we we loved. We love Tedesco. We thought it was the right decision for him to leave probably when he did based on how things were going. You had to try to change something and, 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 you know, fix the issue before the club got too close to that relegation zone. But obviously somebody who's, whose passion and commitment was never in question and, and somebody who I think will be a fan favorite amongst a lot of supporters for a long time, regardless of how things ultimately played out with his, uh, his tenure. So happy to see him having success elsewhere. Yeah, no, I I agree 100% with that. So, um, yeah, it's been a long episode, a lot to talk about. I mean, there's a lot to talk about in the game, but a lot to talk about in the last week. So we had to get it all out, unfortunately. So Holiday thank special. Holiday special, that's right, absolutely. Uh, so, anyway, next game against Leverkusen. So uh, we'll be back after that game, uh, Jack. Um, yeah, for all those who came in uh, and joined us on the podcast tonight, thank you very much. Um, if you haven't done so yet, make sure you sign up for the Shaka US newsletter. Simply just uh, put your email in and you'll get the monthly. So uh, make sure you do that. Uh, and then, you know, keep tuning in each week. Uh, we'll bring you the latest from the club. Uh, we want to thank the Shaka and all our followers for providing us tidbits in our podcast tonight. If there are any topics you would like us to discuss, uh, 
or any other guests you want us to bring. We had uh, Daniel McDermott. Shout out to him uh, tonight. You know, please let us know at Shalk America. Um, so again, follow Daniel McDermott. We're going to tweet his uh, handle out and his uh, his uh, tactics blog. So make sure you go and follow that. Give it a check out, Jack. Uh, where can our followers find you on social media? At JM Mangan, J-M-M-A-N-G-A-N on Twitter. All right. Uh, as always, you can follow me at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. Uh, and if you haven't done so yet, make sure you uh, like, subscribe, and leave comments here on our YouTube page as well. We're trying to put up some more videos as the weeks progress. So uh, until the next podcast comes, my friends, stay ready, and we'll be with you soon. Shoes. Mm-hmm.